Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. On these interviews, we interview guests from around the world about their experience and expertise as digital nomads. Everything from uh, new digital nomads to kind of in the between and well-established digital nomads. We also uh, cover a range of topics to do with uh, family travel, uh, digital marketing, social media marketing, setting up your own e-commerce store, setting up your own coaching program, mastermind groups, uh, setting up uh, maybe a teaching English online, uh, basically uh, affiliate marketing, the whole gamut of how you can make money online. And uh, Ari is a very unique guest. We haven't actually covered the area of travel hacking yet. And I know it's a, it's a very popular trending topic where a lot of people want to save money by getting their flights uh, super discounted and their hotels uh, super discounted through accumulating uh, reward points and uh, credit card sign-up bonuses. So uh, I'm uh, really excited about this particular interview. I had the pleasure of actually meeting Ari when we were uh, co-speakers at a conference in Vancouver, BC, Canada, called Points U, and uh, I was talking on the top, I was speaking on the topic of how travel blogging is a form of travel hacking because with travel blogging, you can get a lot of your hotels, sightseeing, uh, food, and transport covered, uh, pretty much for free in return for blog posts. And uh, currently, we're traveling around the world with the three kids under five, and I'm getting a lot of our hotels for free. Uh, free, uh, quote unquote, because we actually still have to do the reviews and a lot of our sightseeing as well. Um, so I am not an expert in the area of travel hacking, but our guest is. Uh, his name is Ari. Uh, he's a husband of one and a, and a father of one as well. Uh, so uh, how are you doing uh, today, Ari? I am excellent. Good. Thank you for clarifying. Just a husband of one. A <laughs> uh, little joke there. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your family, where you're currently in, and a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I uh, am a husband of uh, one great wife. Her name is Sarah, and uh, we live in Philadelphia. We uh, Philadelphia born and raised, as the song goes, although I uh, am fortunate enough to have spent uh, lots of time uh, living uh, in the U.S. and Canada as well as in Israel. Um, we met at university, uh, Temple University in Philadelphia, and ever since we uh, have known each other, we've been traveling around the world and together uh, – and maybe the eight or nine years we've been together, we've probably hit close to 40 countries together. Well, amazing. Uh, maybe you can share a little bit about the, the travel journey so far. Like, uh, where have you been in the world? Yeah, uh, we've been all over. We've been, to, uh, we've been to the World Cup in Brazil. We've been uh, to tulip fields in the Netherlands. We've seen koalas and kangaroos in the wild in New Zealand. We've uh, done skydiving in New Zealand. Uh, we're in Australia and then skydiving in New Zealand. We've uh, eaten sushi in Tokyo, uh, scuba dived in Bali and the Maldives. We've, we've tried to do just about everything. That, that is definitely incredible, and I, I, I could relate to some of those experiences. I, I've been to Brazil as well, but not during the World Cup. I've done sushi in Tokyo when I taught English there. I've done the diving as well in Australia. I did the, sky, the diving in terms of the scuba diving, but also the diving in terms of the skydiving uh, uh, and the bungee jumping out in New Zealand. So I can relate to many friends there. So uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the whole points and miles thing. Uh, kind of give us a really brief uh, overview for the people who are not familiar with it at all. Yeah, so the points and miles game, as I like to call it, is really just that. It is a big game with many, many, many confusing rules, uh, increasingly so, uh, and not by chance. This is by design. Um, points are just like any other currency that airlines, hotels, credit cards are manufacturing um, to give the allure of 
of loyalty, of value and loyalty. Um, and the truth is, in my humble opinion, and I think my opinion is becoming more and more uh, shared by the mainstream, um, is that loyalty, for the most part, with the exception of very hardcore business travelers, uh, is really worthless at this point. Uh, many of the things you get out of being a frequent flyer uh, and having status, namely check bags and lounge access and upgrades and things like that, um, the airlines are selling for a very reasonable price. So reasonable, in fact, that if you're not traveling at that level uh, of, a, of a road warrior business traveler, it's probably cheaper for you to pay for those perks as you need them, uh, cheaper than it would be to actually earn that status on your own. Uh, and so the points game really for me is about how to manipulate those currencies to my advantage, to earn more of them, to earn better points, uh, earn them more quickly, and, and use them in a way that I can get so much more value out of them. Um, generally speaking, people will say points are worth anywhere between 1.7 to 2.3 cents a piece. Uh, the credit cards obviously will will give you value back at one pe one penny a piece, which is laughable. Um, but but the truth is, um, I'm able to if you play the game right, I'm able to get value of five, six, seven, and sometimes even eight cents a piece. Um, and it's just about how you redeem the points and and what you want to do with them. So let's talk about, uh, let's break it down in terms, in terms of first accumulating the points, and then we'll talk about how, how to um, uh, use the points effectively and efficiently. So uh, how do you accumulate them? So that's a great question, and that really differs depending on where in the world you are. Um, here in the U.S., it's very, very straightforward in that the best way to earn your points and the cheapest way to earn your points is through credit card sign-up bonuses. Um, the bank issuers and the credit card issuers, um, the banks in the US offer significant sign-up bonuses, um, 40, 50, 60, 75, in some cases up to 100,000 points just for signing up for a card and spending two, three, four thousand dollars $4,000 on it. Um, Obviously, that is not the case all over the world. Um, that's not the case in Canada, um, and it certainly isn't the case in, in a lot of Europe. Um, but there are a lot of other ways to earn points uh, at a discount. Um, airlines often will sell points. Um, airlines will often give points uh, at discounts, uh, will give bonus points on certain flights. Um, you know, you fly between the U.S. and Europe, you'll get double the points or triple the points. Um, Avianca Life Miles is a great Star Alliance partner based in Colombia. They're right now offering uh, buy one, get two miles back. And, and if you read mm. some of the blogs, you're even able to get another 40% on top of that. Um, so there mm. are ways to generate points at a less expensive rate uh, than just buying them straight from the airline because there are often sales. Um, but if you're in a position like we are here in the United States where you can get them through credit cards, um, that's definitely the easiest and best way to go. Talk about a little bit about uh, outside the U.S. as well, because we have obviously listeners around the world and vo viewers around the world on both YouTube and iTunes. And um, like I, I particularly am from Vancouver, BC, Canada, so obviously the credit cards are different, uh, the, uh, the bonuses are different, et cetera. But maybe you can touch on a little bit about the different markets. I mean, if you want to cover uh, Canada, for example, Europe and beyond. Yeah, for sure. And and like I said, it's um, the basics of it are the same wherever you are. Um, so in Canada, for for example, um, there are obviously still credit cards that you can get and that you can certainly work to your advantage um, to earn points that, that are going to be uh, valuable for you in the future. Uh, the bonuses are not going to be as significant as they would be in the U.S. Um, you know, in Canada, you might only earn 20 or 30,000 points. 
um, uh, for a bonus. And and on the flip side, the points that are, oh, we've got a guest visitor. Look at that. Uh, and the, uh, the points that you are earning, for example, Amex points, um, have different values in Canada because they don't have the same types of partners as they do in the U.S. Um, so it's not to say that there is no value in, in other points currencies. There absolutely is. It's just easier in the U.S. And like I was saying, for people outside of the U.S. who want to earn points that can't do it through credit cards, um, the way to do it is to look for purchase opportunities. Um, airlines often sell miles at discounts or with bonuses. And while it's not the cheapest way, um, it is certainly a lot less expensive, for example, than paying retail. Mm -hmm. You, for example, were saying free travel in quotes, and that really is the case. Even if you could generate millions of free miles, the truth is that these airlines are going to put on taxes and fees and, and carrier-imposed fuel surcharges on these tickets, as little as 6 or $7, as much as $1,000 each direction. Um, and so, yes, paying $1,000 for a first-class ticket that would otherwise cost seven uh, is a great deal. $1,000 is still $1,000. Um, and so similarly, if you can buy the number of miles you need for a $10,000 ticket and it'll only cost you $3,500 out of pocket, many would argue that's a great deal. Uh, the bottom line is you're still spending $3,500. So everything within this game is, is all dependent on your level and what your de uh, determination of the value is. Sounds good. And in terms of like, so you start accumulating them and obviously you have to redeem them. So uh, um, tell us a little bit about the redemption process. Well, the redemption process is where the airlines really get you, um, and they make it intentionally quite difficult to do that, um, or at least to get the value out of it. Uh, most airlines will offer several levels of redemption. They'll offer what they call their saver or low-level redemption, uh, and those are capacity-controlled. Uh, those are the seats that, for example, Capital One and, and you know, the American Express credit cards, they want to tell you how terrible those capacity controls are by telling you that using their points will get you any seat on any plane. And the truth is, with the easier it is, the less valuable it is for you. Um, so when you have to fight against things like capacity control and routing rules and, and only being able to fly on certain carriers depending on your points, um, that means that if you fight that fight and you push your way up that hill and, and, and you win that battle, you will reap the benefits in terms of the value you're getting out of your points. Um, on the flip side, if you said to yourself, well, I need to be on this two o'clock flight on Iberia, I can't do it any other way. Well, then it's not so you can't use points, you absolutely can, but you're potentially paying two or three times the number of points that you would otherwise need to spend. So to me, I'd rather make one or two extra transits on the way. I don't care about those little inconveniences because for me, it's about saving money and being able to afford my travel lifestyle. I've heard uh, horror stories of people uh, redeeming their points for things like toasters <laughs> or uh, like appliances, et cetera. Uh, so how do you decide? I mean, uh, you can obviously redeem them for appliances, electronics, gadgets, et cetera. You can redeem them for hotels or airlines. Uh, do you usually favor airlines just because that's usually the most expensive uh, part of travel? Or uh, what Absolutely. are your thoughts there? Absolutely. So I, I do exclusively redeem my points for Airlines, with a very some uh, very slight exception to that rule, being hotels on occasion. Um, at least when I have hotel specific points, uh, then obviously. But if I have points that have options of where to use them, um, namely uh, Chase points in the U.S. or Amex points, um, certainly airline miles, um, all of those point currencies offer you options of where to redeem. Like you said, toasters, uh, hotels motorbikes or 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 flights um, for me I get the best value out of international business 
some first class travel. Um, it's not to say that is the only way to get value. Um, I know lots of people who tell me I'd rather have you know, an extra 50% towards my next coach trip rather than waste, waste all my miles on a business class ticket. I disagree. For me, the travel is not just what I see on the ground, uh, while that is obviously a big part of it. For me, mm. my experience starts the second I leave my house. That includes my Uber ride to the airport. It includes the dreaded mm -hmm. TSA security. It includes the lounges. And most importantly, it includes the flights. Mm. Um, and so for me to upgrade, pun intended, that experience um, mm. is absolutely worthwhile. And so for me, I fight that struggle to make sure that I can get those low-level awards at a business or first-class rate. Um, and I've been very fortunate to, uh, despite having a few extra stops on each flight along the way, uh, be very fortunate <laughs> to have some great experiences in the air. So when are you going to be taking a shower in the air on the uh, Emirates Airbus? Do you mean when am I taking my next shower in the air? <laughs> <laughs> have you already done it? <laughs> I've, I've done it a few times, actually, and it is just as cool as it sounds. Uh, there's certainly no need to take a shower on an airplane. And generally speaking, most people flying for five, seven, 10, even 15 hours don't need a shower in that period. Um, but that novelty will never wear off on me. Uh, and anytime I have the opportunity to do it again, I will do it. Um, like I said, I think I've done it twice already. I've not done the Etihad A380, um, but I have been fortunate to fly, um, the Emirates A380 a few times and it is just as cool as it sounds, heated floors and all. <laughs> incredible, incredible. Uh, if you have a link, definitely send that so we can put that in the show notes. Uh, I, I've heard a lot about that experience. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 we don't have to go that graphic. <laughs> uh, so, Aria, tell us about the airline partnerships because there's obviously three major ones and uh, they all work uh, in alliances and partnerships for you to redeem the points effectively. Uh, tell us a little bit about how the alliances work. Yeah, the alliances are really the bread and butter of how to take advantage of your miles. Most people will think that if you've earned Aeroplan Air Canada points or, or you've earned uh, miles and more uh, miles through Lufthansa or Austrian, that you are stuck and you have to redeem your miles with that airline uh, or in the miles and more case, that group of airlines. Um, and that really is not true. And in fact, it is to your disadvantage to, to think that way. Um, in the case of American travelers, it's the worst because the U.S.-based airlines are notoriously behind uh, in terms of quality of service, um, quality of food and beverage, and in, in many cases, certainly compared to the Asian carriers, quality of service um, and seat. Excuse me. So when you have, for example, let's say I have United Miles, the average U.S.-based traveler will say, well, if I have United Miles, then of course I have to redeem them for travel on United. Um, and that really is not the case, and it should be thrown away completely. United is, is a member of the Star Alliance, and, and like you said, Ricky, there are three major alliances. They are the Star Alliance, uh, the One World Alliance, and the Sky Team Alliance. And between those three alliances, you're looking at over 50 major international airlines. And so while you cannot transfer your miles from, let's say, your United account to your Air Canada account, despite them both being in the Star Alliance, you can redeem your United miles for flights on Air Canada. And in some cases, these alliances can actually pose some very funny situations. So for example, let's say you are someone who has Korean airline miles. Um, and for whatever reason, you've got both Korean miles and Delta miles. And you're trying to decide which mile should I use, given that they're both in the same alliance, for this Delta flight I really want to take from New York to Hawaii. Uh, you might have to stop in Los Angeles. Um, the truth is that for that Delta flight, 
you will spend less Korean miles than you will spend Delta miles. Why is that? You know, who knows how they, how they come up with their algorithms, um, but Korean airline considers Hawaii part of the United States, whereas Delta separates Hawaii from the US 48. Um, and so as a result, Delta has a higher fee for mileage redemptions to Hawaii. And that is not the only case where that happens. I'm obviously not going to sit here and go through a bunch of them, but uh, it just goes to show that if you have miles on one carrier, it could actually be cheaper to redeem um, for a partner. And uh, so we've covered a lot about the airlines, about the alliances. Uh, I'd love to get into the whole travel hacking hotels uh, because um, with the Digital Nomad Mastery Podcast, we definitely want to help uh, people save money on all the major costs. So everything from uh, flights to hotels to sightseeing to transport, which are pretty much the big four. Um, so uh, uh, airlines, obviously the biggest. The next biggest is where you stay. You can uh, obviously do travel blogging to get your hotels for free. You can also get travel hacking. Uh, to get your hotels for free or discounted. So tell us a little bit how you travel hack the hotel scene. Absolutely. And, and I'm just going to pivot for one second onto something that you just said about travel blogging. Um, I'm sure a lot of your listeners and, and followers are not at the point where they've got tens of thousands, certainly not hundreds of thousands or millions of followers. And so reaching out to, you know, the Waldorf Astoria in New York, not everybody is able to get that free stay. Um, but what you might want to consider if you're new to the travel blogging world is to maybe start with something smaller and say, hey, listen, you know, I'm paying for my own room. I don't, you know, I don't need a handout, but I am going to be doing a review of the property and I wanted to know if maybe we could barter something else, perhaps a free breakfast, perhaps a room upgrade. Small things like that to get you started as a travel blogger really do go a long way and it helps you build your uh, your brand and it shows that you are committed and then in the future down the road you can tell the Ritz Carlton that you've worked with the Waldorf Astoria and it really is a snowball effect. Um, as far as the travel hacking goes, um, it's a lot more difficult. There's no way to really manipulate the system of hotel points like there is to manipulate the system of airline miles. That said, similar to what I just said with, with travel hacking, it's really the small victories that I consider the, the, biggest, uh, the biggest hurdle. Um, especially when you're going to some of these more expensive hotels and more remote destinations, think um, Bali, the Maldives, uh, you know, Koh Samui, um, some of these other smaller islands or high-end resorts, um, you know, you're looking at breakfast that might cost 50 or or $100 a person. Uh, you're looking at room upgrades that, that can cost triple or, or quadruple that amount. Um, and so while you might be able to afford a hotel room or maybe you have the base amount of points to get uh, in, the, in the door, you don't have what it takes to get all those extra perks. Um, and so while, so what I recommend, contrary to what I said with airlines, is to consider getting status with one hotel. Um, it's not the easiest thing, um, but a lot of hotels will offer you a status challenge um, where they will say, okay, you know, you want to become a, a loyal member of our brand? Well, if you can stay X number of nights in this very small time period, usually one or two months, we'll give you the top or mid-level status. Um, oftentimes, unfortunately, that does require you to show them that you had status at a different brand. Um, and so start small, start at a low level status, see if you can work your way up, especially for some of you guys out there who are becoming digital nomads, you're spending more and more nights on the road. See if you can just for the first year or for, or for the first two years, see if you can commit yourself to one brand. Uh, and that doesn't mean that you have to stay at five star hotels, uh, Starwood, 
Mar you know, and Marriott, they're merging. Uh, the Hilton brand, IHG, they all have brand within them um, that you can find hotels anywhere in the world for 80, 90, 100 bucks a night or for four or $500 a night. So wherever you're comfortable, there's gonna be a property for you. So I would recommend for that first year, see if you can hit that status mark. Um, obviously they all have different requirements of, of how to get and how to achieve that status and see which one works for you. If, if all you want is breakfast, look for one that maybe the mid-level will give you free breakfast at all their properties. If what you want is sweets, look at one that has the best sweet upgrade uh, value to you uh, and, and go that way because those perks are really valuable, valuable to me, especially traveling with a young kid. Having a suite is... Mm -hmm. So, so incredibly helpful. You want to bring in a babysitter from, you know, maybe the front desk agent's sister in, in Sao Paulo. You want her to babysit in your room. Putting her in a small 300 square foot room is not very fun or nice to that poor girl. Um, but having a suite where she can watch TV in the living room while your baby is asleep in the bedroom, that's fantastic. And so those perks to me are so, so valuable. Especially if you're doing podcast interviews with your kids in another room, it definitely helps out if uh, they can be watching TV or doing some activities and you're in the other room fully focused on what you need to be doing. So exactly. I can totally relate and agree on the sweet thing as a traveling family. Uh, what are your uh, favorite hotel uh, chains? Uh, you call them brands, but uh, obviously there's the, the Westons, the Fairmonts, the Hiltons. Uh, what are your favorites? My personal favorite, and I'm sad to see it go uh, the way of Marriott, is, uh, is Starwood. I've been a Starwood loyalist for about six or seven years now um, with, uh, with, with platinum status, um, and it has been the best for me. I, I've gotten upgrades. I've gotten great perks. I've gotten points. Um, like I said, I've gotten breakfasts and uh, lounge access. Uh, for example, we stayed uh, at the Grosvenor House in Dubai. Uh, where their breakfast is just absolutely insane. You've got everything from sushi and miso soup um, to pancakes and waffles with real Canadian maple syrup uh, and everything in between. <laughs> um, and, and it goes until 11 o'clock. So you can wake up at 7, get yourself a nice big breakfast, go do a little sightseeing, come back to the hotel, have lunch at breakfast again, and then take a nap and, and then go to the lounge at 5 o'clock where they have an afternoon tea service with enough food for a full early dinner. Uh, and so... You know, a lot of people don't think about that. They think, oh, well, it's just cheaper to eat street food. Uh, you know, it's not necessarily the case. And, you know, street food is delicious, and I love the authenticity, and I love saving money. Um, but I sometimes will figure out hotels that will give me a, basically a full meal at 6 o'clock in their lounge so that I can save money and, and spend it on a tour guide or spend it on another cool experience. So, Ari, uh, you know, one of the questions a lot of people have about travel hacking is, will it affect my credit score? Because people might need to buy a house or uh, get a mortgage or a car loan, um, a student loan, etc. Uh, so how low is your credit? <laughs> well, I'll say that uh, first and foremost, I am not a financial advisor and anything I say should not be taken as gospel. Uh, second of all, all of my knowledge base and experience is exclusively within the United States. Uh, with that out of the way, um, despite having 19 active credit cards or 20, 19 to 21, somewhere in there, um, and another, actually today's application day for me, so another four or five coming today, um, oh. I am happy to say I have a credit score of, depending on which of the three bureaus you're asking, uh, 748, 767, uh, and 780. So wow. across the board, I've got what I consider fantastic credit. I have no desire for an 800 credit score because if I had an 800 credit score, that would mean I'm not doing anything but sitting on my butt, letting it build. Um, 
anything over 700 to 750, you're, you're golden. Um, so yes, every time I apply for a credit card, my score dips between five and 20 points. Um, but three months later, after paying it off in full every month, your credit score will go up. The number one piece of advice I have to all of your listeners and followers here is always pay your bill off in full. Mm. Paying off the minimum balance and then paying on uh, debt on top of that is not going to help your credit score and it's not going to help your financial situation. Um, so if you want to apply for lots of credit cards, have at it. I am with you, uh, but pay off your bills in full every month. So I should have uh, asked the question in a different way. How high is your credit score? Because that's pretty impressive. Uh, considering you have uh, 20 open and active credit cards, uh, very impressive. Uh, um, so I mean, like, I guess it's a, it's a misconception or a stereotype that it's going to affect your credit score um, negatively. Yeah, it, it, there's really, at the moment, although I'm, I'm hearing some buzz that maybe that, that could change at some point or how they, they're factoring it. But in the United States, there are only, I think, four, five or six set factors of what makes up your credit score, uh, and they're weighted. And so, yes, having a lot of credit cards, um, the, the conception is that that's a bad thing. But the truth is, what that does is it builds your total line of credit. And so if you're spend, someone who spends, uh, let's say, $10,000 a month, uh, and you only have one credit card with a $15,000 balance, you're spending a huge percentage of your total mm -hmm. revolving credit. But if you had mm -hmm. 10 credit cards with a $10,000 limit, now you're only spending 10% of your line. Um, and so the credit bureaus want to see you spend somewhere in the range of 5 to 8% from what I'm seeing. Um, that's their, mm -hmm. their ideal customer. They're spending money, so they're, they're using credit, but they're not spending too much, so they're not a flight risk. Um, other things that really help your credit, which is why my situation of having so many credit cards and keeping them open is so great, is your average life of credit. So anytime I apply for cards that have no annual fee, uh, I will never cancel those, even though many of them I never spend a dollar on. Because every month that that stays open, that's helping my average life of credit card. Um, of course, on the flip side, every time I open up a new credit card, the opposite effect happens. Um, mm -hmm. But there are a lot of, not a lot, but there are other factors that, that go into making up your credit score. But overall, if you play the game, the game properly, um, and you are careful, and you don't have late payments, and you have, you know, the other thing that helps, if you have a mortgage, if you have a car payment, if you have student loan, other types of loans help you build your credit as well. So they just want to know that you're not going to run away with their credit and that you're someone who's responsible with your money. And so as long as you do that, regardless of the number of credit cards you have, you're in good shape. Sounds good. I'm glad you're reassuring all the, the worried people out there who are, who are uh, afraid they won't be able to get a mortgage or buy a house or a car. So good on you for uh, uh, keeping your credit cards so, so high while at the same time opening so many credit cards. Uh, so Ari, uh, tell us about which credit cards are uh, good for uh, newbies, uh, new be travel hackers to get. Uh, maybe you can cover the US primarily because obviously that's your area of expertise. And if you knew or if you know <laughs> what, what credit cards you get in the, the Canada, uh, Europe, or Australia. Yeah, so um, I'm not super familiar, certainly not uh, with Australian credit card market. I have a, a light sense of, of the market in Canada, so I can touch on that a little bit. Um, in the US, uh, you have the three main currencies that are transferable are Amex, uh, Chase, uh, and Citibank. And what I mean by transferable is that you are earning those banks' proprietary points, Amex membership rewards, Chase ultimate rewards, or Citibank thank you points. Uh, and while you can redeem with them directly for things like toasters, uh, you have the opportunity to transfer to their airline partners at a one-to-one -one 
oftentimes one-to-one ratio. Um, Amex has the most transfer partners. Uh, uh, City and Chase are are behind. Um, So what I like to tell people is that assuming you're not someone who's earning half a million points a year, better to focus on one of the currencies and accumulate lots of that one currency, even if it means having two or three different credit cards within that one currency. Um, so unfortunately, Chase has this silly rule that you, if you've applied for more than five cards over the last two years, they're not going to give you any more credit cards. Um, so if you're someone who's planning on doing lots of applications over the next two years, uh, rule number one is start with Chase, uh, because after a while they will stop stop uh, approving your your requests for credit. Um, if you are not planning on doing that and you are okay with one or two new cards, I would say uh, personally I like Amex cards. Uh, they're they're my my bread and butter. Um, the few that have the the coolest perks. Um, the Amex Platinum, it's obviously not for everybody. It's a $550 annual fee. Um, it does come with $200 worth of, of travel credit um, as well as $200 in Uber perks every year. Um, but the cool thing I love about it is that you get five points per dollar for every dollar spent on airline. Um, so given my business that I'm in, um, I'm spending a lot of money on airlines and airline taxes. And so 5X to me well justifies the $500 uh, plus in annual fees. Um, on the on the lower end side of, of Amex, you've got their Amex Everyday Preferred card. Uh, it's a $95 annual fee, though that fee is waived. You've got a few cool bonus categories. Uh, they are capped at about, uh, I think, six or $10,000 a year. Um, but the cool thing about them is while you are only earning one point per dollar in the non-bonus categories, if you swipe your card or make 30 transactions per year, whether it be online or in uh, per month, um, either online or in a store, after that 30th transaction in that billing cycle, you've now retroactively given yourself a 50% bonus on all of those points. So assuming you're spending exclusively on that card, or at least significantly on that card, you're really earning one and a half points per dollar on all of your spend, which is great. Um, Amex did also just come out with a fantastic new business card um, with the details just starting to come out now, which seems like it's going to give two points per dollar on everything. Um, so that could be great if you've got a business that you could be looking at. On the Chase side, uh, the Amex Platinum equivalent to Chase would be the Chase Sapphire Reserve. It comes with a 50,000 point bonus and three points per dollar uh, on any travel-related spend. So that's not in only airfare, but also hotels, car rentals, the whole gamut. Um, and then on the lower end, I recommend the Chase Unlimited, uh, Chase Freedom Unlimited, which is one and a half points per dollar on everything. Uh, again, no annual fee on that one, which is great. Uh, you did mention you'll uh, touch on the Canadian market as well, because uh, obviously uh, some of us are, are over here in Canada, about 30 yes. million of us. So <laughs> tell us a little bit about the north of the border. I'm so sorry to forget about the 30 million. How could I have forgotten you? <laughs> uh, we have a much bigger country than you guys. <laughs> significantly and uh, much better in my humble opinion. But uh, hopefully my American fans don't hate me for that. I don't even know if I have American fans, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure you do, considering you do travel hacking in the U.S. Maybe I do now after you're going to make me famous, Ricky. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, so in the Canadian market, um, the 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 best transferable currency that that I'm I'm seeing is the Amex points. Um, they don't have the number of transfer partners that we have with Amex in the U.S., um, but there are a good number of transfer partners. They're not all one to one, but it could be a good starting out point. Um, that said, Aeroplan does have some fantastic rates. Um, 
in terms of using their miles with their Star Alliance partners. The one thing to look out for is some of their partners do levy very high fuel surcharges on the award tickets. So as long as you can keep away from those partners uh, when redeeming awards, Aeroplan can be great. Uh, and so Aeroplan is both a transfer partner of Amex, but they also have their own co-branded credit cards. So it might not be a crazy idea to maybe get an Aeroplan card to help boost your balance um, and then get an Amex card to boost your balance further and continue your spending on that card. Uh, the other transferable point currency that I, that I like to talk about is the Avion from RBC, um, only because it's the only transfer partner of American Airlines. Um, American Airlines isn't the most amazing airline redemption partner, um, but they do have some great options out there. Um, they also transfer to Cathay Pacific's Asia Miles, which are, which are not a bad option as well. Um, so those are, those are two uh, great starting points. Um, Again, I'm not as familiar with, with the Canadian market as I am with the American, um, but those are two that I know have, have proven quite valuable to some of my uh, Canadian friends. Thanks for not leaving us out there, Ari. <laughs> Sorry about uh, that. <laughs> it's all good, all good. I, I'm currently actually in South America, and I was talking to a Brazilian travel blogger uh, out there in Curitiba, near Rio, and uh, he was telling me all about travel hacking in Brazil. So it's actually a, a global phenomena in most of the major uh, economic uh, uh, strongholds around the world. So you can do uh, travel hacking in Europe, travel hacking here in South America. You can do it in Australia, New Zealand, the Oceania area. Um, definitely in North America, I think uh, we're kind of the pioneers in that US and Canada. So yep. uh, I highly recommend finding a travel blogger or travel hacker in your area, where no matter where you're listening. I'm sure there's even travel hackers out in Africa and maybe even Antarctica if they have their own credit card system. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> and Asia, Asia, of course, right? Um, so, uh, yeah, and uh, uh, if we find, uh, you know, uh, travel hackers in that area or if you are a travel hacker in the area who wants to be interviewed, uh, make sure you hit us up and we'd love to interview on those other markets. So, Ari, uh, I know you have a business uh, specifically helping people to travel hack so they don't buy toasters. So tell us a little bit about that uh, Award Magic business. Absolutely. So Award Magic is a service that really stemmed out of understanding the frustration that people come across when, when going to redeem their miles. Um, we're a service that helps you get the most value out of your miles with the least headache possible. Um, we are not a household name, obviously. Travel hacking is not the most popular thing. Um, but uh, travel guru extraordinaire Arthur Fromer called us the best travel service of which you've never heard, uh, which I take uh, very kindly, and, and I'm very oh. humbled by that. Um, and yeah, by the way, he's the guy who wrote the Fromer's guidebooks, right? Yeah, Fromer yeah. wrote the Fromer guidebooks. He, he named it after himself, which is uh, a great idea because now he's uh, very easy to recognize by name. But yeah, he is the one and only Arthur Fromer. His daughter Pauline is now uh, doing a lot of uh, the business stuff with him as well. Um, and I had a chance to speak with them. Uh, I speak every year at the New York Times Travel Show, and we had a chance to, to speak uh, after, the, after the convention one year, and we did an interview together, uh, put me on his, on his radio show, uh, and, and then wrote an article uh, in which he said that. And, and it was really, really quite, uh, quite special for me. Um, but the service for all of you is really accessible to anybody. If you've got enough points, for one trip, that's all you need. You don't need to be a points millionaire. Uh, you don't need to exclusively want to fly, you know, to New Zealand in first class. You could just want, you know, a quick long weekend in Europe, or maybe you want to go to the World Cup in Russia. Uh, maybe you want to, you know, go to Carnival in, in Brazil, or maybe you just want to have that first sushi experience in Japan. Whatever it is, if you've got the points, we're here to help you make that trip happen. 
Um, the pricing and the, the structure of how the, the operation works is very, very simple. Uh, you just go to awardmagic.com. And right on the front there, you'll see some flying clouds. And it'll say, where will your miles take you today? Let's get started. And you just click on that button right there. Um, and it'll be a very simple form, who you are, how many points you have, and where and when you want to go. Uh, from there, our team takes care of everything else. Um, we will then scour the internet for available seats across all of the partner airlines, both within alliances and not within alliances. We'll analyze your points to make sure that the points you have, if transferable, are going to be transferred to the best airline to make sure your miles are going the, the longest distance in terms of getting you that value. We're going to communicate with the airline on your behalf. So once we do find that space, we're going to confirm that it's available. We're going to get back to you, make sure you are okay with what we have found. Hopefully you are. We've got a pretty good success rate. Uh, and then once you've confirmed it, we're going to actually ticket it on your behalf. We're going to go through the entire process for you. You don't have to lift a finger. You don't have to deal with agents who don't speak English. You don't have to deal with agents who don't know the rules of their own airlines. You don't have to deal with agents who hate speaking with customers and don't want to give you the time of day. Rather, you're going to have a one dedicated individual. Everything is done by email on your schedule. Uh, our team is comprised of uh, six or seven real points and miles experts. Um, and they're going to make sure that you're getting the best value out of your mile, uh, and you're only paying $159 per person. Um, so for that kind of value, you're not going to get that anywhere else, and uh, we're very proud of the service we offer, and we have redeemed hundreds and hundreds of millions of miles for redemption to, I don't know, 100 countries around the world. Wow, the, your service is definitely affordable considering how much you're actually going to save in terms of the value and how much you're going to gain in terms of the experience. So highly recommend uh, connecting with Ari over there at Award Magic. Uh, this has definitely been one of our most informative uh, in terms of just strict uh, knowledge and uh, info and inspiration on this podcast yet. So thank you for sharing us with that wealth of uh, info about travel hacking. Thank you. Yeah, it was a pleasure being here. And uh, keep up the great work. I love seeing your posts on uh on Facebook and uh, on social media. I know as a traveling family guy myself, uh, traveling with one has been amazing and just such joy. I didn't think it could be more fun than traveling solo, but I was wrong. And uh, when we're ready to have a second one, I can't wait to, uh, to get to Ricky level and uh, travel with a whole mini, mini city. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're actually traveling the world with three kids under five. Uh, uh, we've traveled through uh, uh, eight or nine countries in the last six months, everything from uh, Philippines to Hong Kong to Dubai to South Africa to uh, Brazil to Argentina to Paraguay to French Guiana. And I'm currently here in Suriname. So, hey, if I can travel with this little mini city of, uh, of toddlers and uh, newborns, so can Absolutely. you. And uh, I, you can, can travel like your way. Oh, sorry, I tell that to all my friends. People think I'm crazy for traveling with a kid. And the truth is, if you're quote unquote crazy enough to travel alone, uh, which why wouldn't you be? There's no difference with traveling with a kid. That kid is going to poop in his diaper, cry all the time, and not want to sleep at home. Why not be sitting in beautiful Suriname or going to Carnival in Brazil? It's not going to damper your vacation, just like having a kid doesn't damper your life. It just elevates your your happiness and traveling around the world is absolutely amazing and if you have a kid you need to be traveling with your kid and don't let it stop you my kid isn't even two he's traveled to nine countries flown over seventy thousand miles nothing should be stopping you
Yeah, my, my son, I don't want to be bragging here, but my son, he just turned one year old and he's already been to four continents. He's been to North America, South America, Europe, and Asia, and he's only uh, four months, uh, sorry, one year old and four continents. So pretty impressive. Uh, yeah, highly recommend the family travel. Obviously, I have a whole blog about it. My whole passion <laughs> is family travel. So uh, highly, highly, highly recommend that. And you know, uh, just yeah, a quick story to end off here. Just yesterday, I, I was here in the capital of Suriname uh, going to the playground with the kids uh, because we do the same stuff which you'll do back in our, your hometown. So in Vancouver, BC, Canada, I'll go to a playground. Here in Suriname, we took our kids to a playground. Our, it was getting dark, and I obviously don't, walk, don't want to be walking around at night. And my son threw a major tantrum in the middle of the playground saying, no, stay here, and I want to keep playing. And all the people looking at him, and I was like, oh, my God, you know, what do I do? But I would rather have that happen in the tropical place like here in South America rather than the rainy, <laughs> rainy province of British Columbia. So, so uh, keep throwing those tantrums because they're not going to stop. I mean, no matter how much I try, how much I bribe them, uh, no matter how much I talk to them nicely, they're going to throw the tantrums because of their, uh, their maturity level and the age they're at. That's right. And uh, like you said, don't let it stop you guys. If you're thinking about being a nomad or just thinking about traveling a little more, uh, whether you've got kids or not, don't let anything stop you because the world is out there and it's not, uh, it, it needs you to discover it. Yeah. And uh, to end off, you know, a lot of people have the objection with uh, money, but thanks to Ari and his system and uh, my system with the travel blogging, I feel these two areas really complement each other. So you can travel, hack your way around the world. You can travel, block your way around the world and literally save in the thousands of dollars. So my travel blog saves me thousands in terms of the accommodation, the hotels, the sightseeing, the food, the transport. Ari's obviously saves them uh, thousands in terms of the, the flights, the hotels. So. Uh, if you have any questions, we're both open and ready and willing to help you guys out. So make sure you check out uh, daddyblogger.com and make sure you check out uh, uh, awardmagic.com. And uh, we'll see you in the next episode, everyone. Uh, thank you for listening. If you're uh, listening here on iTunes, thank you for watching if you're watching on YouTube. And we'll uh, catch up with you soon. And make sure you make your travel dreams come true.